Any questions? Don't ask. I'm tired of talking to you and I want to sleep. Lenny, give me that paper. Give me the paper. Lenny, why don't you go and see if you can visit the cockpit? Tell him it's your birthday. Go, go, go. Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. What's going on? I'm back. <laughs> We're doing it. <laughs> We're doing it. We are podcasting. Everything's normal. Everything is good. Everything is normal. <laughs> we are having... Nothing has happened in in, in, in a political sphere, in nope. a personal sphere. <laughs> nope. Nothing happening in this goddamn world. It is just nothing but net, baby. I, my life is normal. <laughs> Having nothing but normal ones, a series of them, in fact. What we're doing, what we're doing, we're turning our hats upside down and inside out because we are having a rally of normal ones. Is, is that a biker thing or something? No, it's a baseball thing. It's like a little league baseball oh, yeah, thing. You, you turn, turn your, your hat inside out, it's a rally cap. And that's what you do to keep the rally going. <laughs> I don't. What is the rally? The rally is you've just hit them. <laughs> you keep hitting them. You do really good. You just keep going. Yeah. Damn, I love having a rally. I love a rally. Me personally, if there's one thing people know about Jeremy Hammond, mm-hmm. it's that he loves a rally. All kinds of them too. All kinds. Um, you know, um, boxcar ra- rally, NASCAR rally, NASCAR um, rally, <laughs> any car rally, any sort of car rally. Uh, mm-hmm. I like. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, there was a chain on Long Island of car dealerships. There was a guy whose last name was Rally, and so there uh-huh. was like Rally Nissan and Rally Toyota. Oh wow! There's also a. Uh, it's a, It's in certain states, Checkers is called a rallies. Hmm. You know that that restaurant Checkers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they have good curly fries. And they do and nothing else. No. Everything else is <laughs> god awful and everything horrible. else is trash. <laughs> I've gone to Checkers just for the curly fries sometimes. Yeah. This is the only thing to do. <laughs> yeah. It's a, um, it's a good one. But uh yeah, all kinds of rallies. And that's that's what we're on right now, folks. Mm-hmm. Um but Bryn. Yeah. Before we get too far into talking about rallies, which is of course yeah, which, what this episode is about. What this podcast is generally <laughs> what this podcast. It's the <laughs> podcast about rallies. <laughs> Every week we do a different type of rally. <laughs> yeah, and you know the core philosophy of this podcast is that really mm. anything that continues is a rally. Uh, right, exactly. You know, a lot of people Anything. think that a lot of people think it's only a rally if there are stock cars involved, and we're you know we say <laughs> no, anything that's continuous is a rally. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even matter because I mean, of co- if you if you're going to be a nerd and you want to look up the the dictionary definition of a rally, it's yeah. literally any public gathering. <laughs> <laughs> But we we go even farther. We and go we even say, farther. It doesn't even have to be a gathering. It doesn't can be, be anything that has happened more than once. <laughs> you know what? It can be. It could be private too. Mm-hmm. Dude, could, that's could... that's our real. That's a real. 
are real in. Yeah. Yeah. When did you start your <laughs> orgasming rally? <laughs> uh, I'm on like 15 years. <laughs> Your cap inside out to keep your rally of jacket off. You're rubbing one out for the team, man. I don't want to break the streak. Riding your bike around in a circle around someone's house. You can do it. You got this. Hit it out of the park. Hats upside down, buddy. We're rooting for you, man. All right, but we are ahead of ourselves. We're not supposed to be talking about rallies yet. That's the second half of the show. Bryn, what mm-hmm. did you watch this week? Oh, Whether okay. or not in a rally format. This week, I uh, have no idea why, but I had a hankering to watch um, The Mask <laughs> starring <Okay>. Jim Carrey. <laughs> I think we had talked about how you wanted to because you had watched um, uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, or, or we talked about it on the conservative, the Some, conservopedia thing. Yeah, That's yeah, what yes, happened. That's right. Yes. I wanted to see if it held up or what it was like, if it ever was up, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I don't, I had, I talked about on that episode that I had only really seen an edited version of the film, right? um, which is a funny story and you should go listen to that bonus episode. Um, but I, I just also um, there was somebody on Twitter who has like a the mask avatar as like sort of an ironic one. And every time I look at it, I'm like, is that a what is that movie? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I watch it again. Um, insane movie. <laughs> yeah. So the premise um, is than he, you remember it. He puts a mat. He finds him like he he's a loser right at the beginning. So he's a he's not really a loser. I mean, he is, but he's a banker. Right. He's a guy who works at a bank and he's just nervous and shy and you know doesn't know how to talk to women and he's single um oh that's right because the mask when he puts on the mask he gets better at getting laid that's right he fucks all everybody the time. yes everybody <laughs> looks at the mask yeah and they're like this guy wow i would <laughs> love to fuck this green-faced man yeah um and the movie is much i don't know if this is true exactly but i'm pretty sure this movie was supposed to be a rated r movie really Um, i I, it really feels like it because there's a lot of scenes in this where it looks like someone is going to die and then it cuts Mm -hmm. (laughs) um like i mean there's stylized violence but so in the book or the comic book the idea is he's a loser and he likes cartoons or whatever. And when he puts on the mask, he becomes like a cartoon character. Right. But no one else becomes a cartoon character. So like he, he's like dropping safes on people's heads and like putting dynamite in things. And then people die because Mm -hmm. they're not a cartoon character and he can't get killed because he is a cartoon character. Right. But in this movie, they pull this weird logic where, mm, if anything happens to anyone else, they become a cartoon character for that moment. Right. um, There's just cowardly. It's cowardly, but also most of the time they don't do that. They just cut away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, uh, so the first night he goes out at this, the mask, he, um, he goes to the, the, the auto repair place that like is screwing him over and gave him a shitty car and like didn't give his car back and said that he needed his whole engine replaced or whatever just like dicked him around for money Mm -hmm. 
he like goes and he's like, I'm going to fuck you up. And then like turns into a, into a tornado and then like, it just cuts. (laughs) And then like later on it's implied he put an enormous like exhaust pipe into their asshole. (laughs) Um, But it's like off screen kind of. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember there's the, I think one of the only things I really, really remember from it is that he like, at some point he has like a Tommy gun. Yeah. And he's like, a Tommy gun! And then, like, <laughs> yeah. shoots them. Yeah. He, he, he makes it into a... Uh, oh, with a balloon. A balloon yeah. animal. Uh-huh. And that's his last trick or whatever. And he says, it's Tommy gun. And then he shoots them all. But then it cuts to none of them getting shot. And oh. all of them running away. So it, like, doesn't make any sense. You um, think it was, like, a like a done in post sort of thing? Like, they, uh, they made uh, it. And then they were like, listen, adults... <laughs> are not going to go for this guy in a yellow zoot suit with a bright green face. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't going to work. Yeah. I'm not really sure. There's not, I I looked up the Wikipedia and there's like not a lot of information about the production or how this movie got made at all. But apparently it was supposed to be like a very violent horror movie until like one of the screenwriters like turned it into a basically a romantic comedy, Um, which it basically is. Um, it feels like that happens all the time. That's how they always fix this sort of shit. <laughs> when they like, when they realize they have something that may not be sellable, they always are like, add a add a romantic core to it, and, make it uh, funnier, make and, it uh, a little funnier, and we'll add a girl. Yeah, <laughs> make her a sexy lady with we'll that. add a goil. Man, Cameron Diaz is almost naked most of this movie. It's really, really weird. <laughs> It's really like she's, and I kind of and remember. This is a uh, this is a primo Cameron Diaz time period, nineteen ninety seven or four, excuse me, nineteen ninety four. Yeah, she's a very pretty lady, and she's wearing very very skimpy outfits in a way that like seem a little bit impossible. Um, yeah, like it's like anime outfits yeah, where it's exactly. just like it's like. Uh, if you were to do this in real life, you would just constantly have your tit falling out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, and she's like Jessica Rabbit in this movie. Okay. Um, but one of the things I was struck by is the lighting in this movie is so good. Like, really? It looks really cool for, because it's for a while. Like, there's a certain number of shots where it's like they're doing the sort of like Dick Tracy Batman, like Tim Burton's Batman, like comic book thing where they think it has to be like heightened. And like some of one of the, like, I guess the production designer decided it was going to be like a, um, um, you know, art deco thing. Like for some reason, like a lot of shit in this movie just looks like it's from the thirties. I bet they were reusing (laughs) a lot of shit from the Batman movie. It really seems like it. Like there's a, his big dumb car that he gets um, when he's a loser is like, it looks like it's from the thirties somehow. Well, I guess Um, also if you're going from the comic book, you have to like put him in the zoot suit and then mm -hmm. you have to like justify why he's in the zoot suit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But nothing else seems like it's in the thirties. Like, um, Cameron Diaz is like talking to somebody on like a cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. There's like uh, one of the bad guys has like an, a digital like driving range in his, in his lair or whatever. Uh, yeah. Now those are the worst parts. Like anytime Jim he, like, hands you a business card. That's just like anonymous goon. www.23skadoo.biz. I don't even know if they had the internet yet. They Check out have- my website. <laughs> 
<laughs> they go there. It's just like little spinning flaming yeah, gifts. It's, a, and it's shit. a spinning thug guy face. <laughs> Just like With a like, guy like pointing at the screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's Joe Pesci from uh, from the end of um, uh, uh, Goodfellas okay. <laughs> when they have that one random cut of him with the gun. Oh yeah. And then uh, it's a it's a looping gif of that, and then it's a spinning gif of like one of the Batman the animated series anonymous fat white guy with newsboy cap <laughs> and like curly uh smashed up cigarette hanging out of lip <laughs> just saying mama mia yeah. Uh, but yeah so this movie uh it takes a lot longer to get going like mm. you think a movie like this and it's only you know it's like just over an hour and a half um and uh but he doesn't really put on the mask for what seems like way too long. Like there's this whole part with his dumb friend who doesn't like have anything to do except like embarrass him um, where they go to the Coco Bongo club or whatever. And he gets thrown out and he meets Cameron Diaz like three times before he even finds the mask. Um, It's just kind of drags for a while, but I mean, he's, you know, Jim Carrey. So he's sort of watchable um, as like a, a buffoon and a nerd. Yeah, um, I mean, he's just like he's an electrifying performer, right? And then once even he be- in like garbage, he's in. He's really and this good. This movie is not good. I mean, like <laughs> he, if I haven't made it clear, like he becomes the mask, and that is it's so it's almost uncanny valley because now you'd have animators who would make him look like he was a cartoon, but almost every shot that he has to go, like every shot he like enters or exits the frame by like winding up and then like zipping out. But like an animator would know that once he's like up, then you just cut to the animation of him zipping. But there's this awkward like 16 16 extra frames where he goes like this in normal speed and then then they zip it out. So it's like none of it looks good. God. <laughs> it all looks really awkward. Um <laughs> for the whole movie. Like they never get better at it. it like it all looks bad. Mm-hmm. Um and uh so the mask stuff is really unfunny too. Mm-hmm. Um like Jim Carrey is it's not embarrassing exactly, but it's not funny. It's not like you know, yeah. there's no moment where you're like, wow, clever joke that no, the but there was a tunes. brief time where it became very good irony fodder, and now it's now it's that pa- time is long past. Mm-hmm. It's not funny anymore. The mask is so far from over mm-hmm. uh, for its you know second round of life. But there was a brief <laughs> time where like people first remembered it and were like, oh, that's very funny. Like, um, I remember like the hardest I've ever laughed at somebody's dumb stand up like uh, internal stand up politics joke was uh <laughs> steve whalen rest in peace by the way okay. uh he posted a picture of the mask and it's just like one of those really ridiculous jim carrey faces with like the gigantic teeth and he's like you know making the the, the mask face and then it was somebody book me <laughs> <laughs> book me yeah like he oh, like, like to book comedy. him on a show yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's like one of the funniest things I ever saw. And then little did I know that for uh-huh. the next two to three years, I would see that joke repeated so many times in so many forms. And now it's not funny anymore. Now it's not funny. No, I mean, he, uh, yeah. It's, so the movie, I felt like 
one of the things that's the biggest problem with it is that you don't even get the mask very much. Yeah. Like there's so much of him not being the mask where like the bad guy gets the mask and that sucks. Oh yeah. The he, bad guy becomes the mask and it's not fun. He becomes like a dumb Bane character where he's all veiny and evil and like right. not fun at all. Like he looks stupid. He's not, doesn't do anything cool. There's just this big chunk of the movie where he's like deciding whether or not he should even use the mask. And right. then like when he goes to meet Cameron Diaz for like the third, you know, fifth time or whatever, he puts it on and then it's like weirdly rapey, but not in a funny way. Uh, but then it's fine. And then he loses the mask. And then for the rest of the movie, he doesn't get it back to like the end. <laughs> right. Um. So that's a, that's a big problem with the movie is that it's just like, they don't even do enough of the one thing that is the draw of the movie, which is yeah. Jim Carrey acting like a cartoon character. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think it's worth returning to. Unfortunately, I no. thought it was going to be fun, but it wasn't. I even couldn't that have. Fun. I I would have uh, guessed that that was the case. I was thinking. I think I it even was. told you that when you yeah. said that you wanted to watch it. I was thinking that would be the case. That honestly, I was feeling like it probably wouldn't be the best, but yeah, I just but maybe it would have a few good gags or something. I was hoping there would be something funny or like interesting to to come out of it, but it, it's really just sort of a mediocre, weird mistake. The best part of it is the dog. The dog's acting is still incredible. Like there's yeah. stuff. Don't that... they put the dog in the mask at some point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets the mask on. That's the best part. The dog in the mask should have should have been. It's it's insane <laughs> that it wasn't its own movie. Like <laughs> they didn't do a spin off. It's so fun. As soon as it happens, you're like, yes, thank God. And then he does it, and he's cool, and he's really cute. <laughs> and then they take it off of him. Um, but. Uh, and you're like no, but even even without that, like every scene with the dog is so crazy because you're like, how did they get the dog? Like when he mm. puts the mask on, he like puts his head down in it, and it's not CGI. Like they just made the yeah, dog man. like do that. Well, there used to be back in the day before they you know before they CGI'd everything, people would really put a lot of work into training an acting dog. Yeah, and there were really talented acting dogs. You know, fucking Airbud really actually did Airbud shit. I know. I mean, <laughs> that movie was basically because someone trained a dog to do that, and they're like, we could make a movie out of this. Yeah. <laughs> could you imagine living in that world again? My God. It, Send me back. It would be pretty Send me good. back to the world where you can teach a dog to fucking shoot hoops. To Airbud. And- make a movie <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad we are uh, talking about airbud because there's a uh an airbud actor in the movie watch this week but oh. uh, we'll get there so we'll get there what did you watch this week jeremy so um for reasons that i'm not gonna you know get too far into on the podcast uh, i've been spending a lot of time at a hospital lately mm-hmm. and um so when you spend a lot of time at a hospital you just catch a lot of a little bit of stuff so right. <laughs> I've been like catching the ends of movies, the beginnings of movies, episodes of shit here and there. So I didn't see the whole thing, but I watched a good chunk of Napoleon Dynamite uh, oh, this week. Okay. And I hadn't seen it since I was a kid when it came out. And yeah. uh, I can't express enough how impressed I am with the concept of Napoleon Dynamite. The concept? Because... It just shouldn't exist. It doesn't. It shouldn't be what it is. 
and it never and there's a reason why it was never replicated nothing ever worked about it again yeah you know they tried to make a cartoon out of it it didn't work they did. the guy never made anything again really like he got um what did he get he he made another movie but it like wasn't that successful gentleman, gentleman broncos oh nacho libre nobody nacho gave a libre shit about was uh, fairly successful gentleman broncos was not very successful I don't know that one. That's the one with um, Sam Rockwell, and it's about this like kid who does like these weird novels, um, mm. and then Sam Rockwell is like a, it's some like metaphor for his like relationship with his dad or something, um, right? And it it's okay. It's nothing, you know. It's a it's a really it ha- wow. It has a nineteen percent on Rotten Tomato. <laughs> wow! It Holy really shit. people really didn't <laughs> like that one. So I caught a little bit of Napoleon, or I caught a a good chunk of Napoleon Dynamite, and I was, like, really curious about it, because I was like, damn, like, like, where did this come from, you know? And I looked it up. The budget for Napoleon Dynamite was $400,000. That's a lot, or, like, more than I would have thought. I mean, uh, what's his name? The the main kid, uh, John Heater, I guess his name? John Heater? John Hater, yeah. John Heater was paid $1,000 for the role. <laughs> yeah, because the they were friends. And the movie made $46 million. I mean, the movie was like a huge success. Yeah, run Everybody saw it. Everybody knew it back then. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it's like a classic, you know, indie darling sort of thing. Like the the classic tale, you know, of like the, you know, it's a, it's like a, um, like a clerk step story. Totally. Where it just kind of like picked up organically and became this massive cultural phenomenon, although it didn't spawn like a long career like Clerks did. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I was thinking as I was watching it is like how unique of a movie it is because there's not really a story. No, not there's at all. There's not really anything to it except <laughs> that it's this weird kid and that's it. It's just, it really <laughs> relies on you being bought into the idea of like Napoleon is an interesting kid. And he is, you know, that's the, the, the premise works, you know, you watch it and you're like, why is he like this? Why is everyone weird? (laughs) And I remember even at the time there was like think pieces or something trying to be like, this is, this movie like really captures the Midwest or whatever. And it's like, no, (laughs) no, No, it it doesn't. My wife is from the Midwest. I know a lot of Midwestern people. It's not like this. This is an insane surrealist like, it's just bizarre yeah it doesn't ex- <laughs> it's because it's like so I, I have to imagine that some of our younger fans don't know anything about napoleon dynamite yeah because this movie is like early 2000s like at its core like it mm-hmm. like from the poster to the soundtrack to the fact that the next thing that's director did was like direct a postal service music video and oh, yeah. like that's <laughs> the right. killer's music video it's like, a very specific time period this yeah. is an era um <laughs> for sure and you know if you are if you were not alive at that point or because i mean you could be 15 20 and like been a baby for this yeah you would have missed it because it was very siloed to that time period it's not something that was talked about very much after it happened well because it was like everybody played it out you got so tired of it yeah it was a hundred i mean i can't if you're listening to this and you've never seen napoleon dynamite or barely know what we're talking about i can't express to you how much people quoted this movie Mm -hmm. and not only quoted it but like talked like the voice like 
I can't even think of an example of something like this now. Yeah. Um, what is an example of like? Well, it's something that doesn't really exist anymore because it's like um, it's the same thing that happened with like Chappelle show. Yep. Um, you know, South Park at the time was a lot like this. Everyone it's had just a these weird voice. things that become <laughs> just part of culture because they're like the thing is Jake and I talk about this a lot that like water cooler television doesn't exist anymore. Sure. Game of Thrones like the end of Game of Thrones was the was the final nail in the coffin of the idea of water cooler television. <laughs> There's nothing left that's like that except you know? for politics. I mean politics is like that sure, but I mean that's It's a show. <laughs> yeah, but like entertainment doesn't exist in that way anymore because the only version of that is, you know, Netflix and and Hulu and whatever and like that shit you just watch it all in one go. So there's not really the same sort of like every week you talk about it. Totally. Thing. I mean and and also no one really agree like it's definitely so isolated, but this was somehow counterculture and mainstream at the same time mm -hmm. like it felt like you were watching like it felt cool to watch for a second like i remember when i yeah. first saw this movie it like no one knew what it was and it was yeah. only playing in the weird theater that I had to drive an hour to go see mm -hmm. and like i remember seeing the trailer for it online and being like what the fuck is this is this gonna be funny or sad or yeah. what and here's then, a here's a fucking memory for you i remember seeing it and then uh, talking about it with my friends at the Warp Tour. And then <laughs> a month later, school started up, and I was like, actually, this movie sucks, and I never want to talk about it again. Really? <laughs> because it, like, it was that, it was literally just being reintroduced to other kids. You know what I mean? Like, when it's just you saw it, and you're talking to your friends about it, and you're like, damn, this rules. And then you go back to school, and, and <laughs> everybody's around, and everyone's talking about it, and you're like, I've heard too much. I'm done. It immediately became like you could buy all kinds of merchandise of it in every mm -hmm. mall, in every Hot Topic. Like, it just became this thing that people were walking around wearing Vote for Pedro shirts. Like, it yeah. was everywhere for, like what felt like six months and then everyone was tired of it everyone pretty much immediately and, and that's why like i'd never watched it again and why when i t when i saw it was on tv it was literally just because there was nothing else on <laughs> and i was like all right i'll i'll fine I'll you know i, I still felt like. tired of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's so charming it's really charming it's so and it's good. really good the kid is fantastic i can't believe he never had a career after he this. does he's still doing stuff but like nothing huge, right? I mean, no, I no, no, nothing huge. He's he's a he is absolutely a guy who's like, oh hey, isn't that that isn't that that guy? And then he's you know, but he's doing mm -hmm. his thing. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's really unique and it's really interesting as just a concept, and I I think it's really worth watching again <laughs> just on that alone. Um, there's definitely some stuff that's going to make you if you were there for it when it happened. There's some stuff that you're gonna hear and you're gonna be like, "Oh, shut up!" Oh, really? Yeah. There's you so still much felt of like. That way? Anytime he's like, "God," you're just like, "Shut up! <laughs> shut the fuck up!" <laughs> yeah, because well, yeah. I mean, like, I had so many friends just be like, "What does he say?" Uh, like Tina, come get your dinner. <laughs> yeah, there is, everything in it is quotable, though. That's the thing, yeah. you know. Like, uh, but the the opening scene is like, or one of the opening scenes is they're on the school bus, and like the little kid next to him is like, "What are you gonna do today, Napoleon?" And he's like, "Whatever I feel like." Gosh, <laughs> and you're like, "Damn, 
that's so annoying already. <laughs> <laughs> but then the more you watch it, you're like, I can't believe that they had this much faith in that character. You know what I mean? I know. It doesn't because make any sense. the whole movie relies on it. The whole movie relies on you being like, this is interesting. Everyone will love this guy. Yeah. And y- d- nobody has that kind of faith in something that they make, especially not for your fucking first movie. <laughs> yeah. Because lo- it's, it's so shocking that anyone even gave them money to do this because it's mm-hmm. like, because they must have raised some amount of money, but it's like, it must have entirely been on sketches. Like it must have been entirely on like, here's Napoleon doing some shit, feeding his llama or whatever. And yeah. then and then people were like, oh, that's funny. Here, I, okay, if you can make something that funny, I'll give you money. Never seeing a script because there isn't a script. Like it doesn't- Yeah, there's like, nothing happens. Well, it's like, it's weird because there's clearly a script. Every scene is tight. Like mm-hmm. every scene has like a payoff and a punchline and like, or it's just interesting enough like the dance scene. Like- mm-hmm. Like, I remember watching that scene in the theater and the whole crowd just fucking cackling. Like, it killed. The whole movie kills, but it's like there's no, nothing happens. (laughs) Nothing happens. Nothing goes anywhere. It's just bizarre. It's just bizarre and funny. And it's, it's a, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it since. Um, And then very briefly, I want to touch on another thing that I watched this week, uh, which is Never Have I Ever which is a series on Netflix right now that's made by, um, I think it's, uh, uh, yeah, Mindy Kaling. Um, okay. Is she by funny? Her. She's not in it. I, I don't think she's that funny, personally, uh, okay. but she's like a cultural force. I mean, she keeps making stuff, and it's really impressive at the very least, like the amount <laughs> that she's able to it's just like... Swindle? Well, no, but like, uh, <laughs> like just produce stuff, you know? Sure like that she's able to like have this kind of output and like that she's doing stuff like this where she's not in it. She has nothing to gain from its success. Like in terms of ego, sure. uh, it's just, she's able to just like produce new ideas and it, it's very impressive just as a, as a creator, I guess. But um, the, so the concept Respect of it. never have I ever is it's about a, uh, it's about an Indian teenager who um, her father recently uh died and the trauma of losing her father makes her unable to walk uh she like loses her ability to walk for like four to five months like psychosomatic yeah uh uh-huh okay and and it's a real thing that happens i knew somebody it happened to um but then uh she uh regains her ability to walk uh randomly but she kind of has to live with this weird she starts her new school year is the beginning of the series and she has to live with this weird um stigma that she has where people are like oh that's the girl whose dad died and also couldn't walk (laughs) (laughs) and but now she's like but uh, but it happened during the summer that she was able to walk again so she has like a weird thing where she's just like no but that's not it anymore i actually can walk again um (laughs) yeah and and i wasn't faking but i uh yeah exactly (laughs) Um, but so it, it's just about her. It's a teen, you know, it's a teen drama comedy sort of thing. It's very funny. It's much funnier than I expected it to be. Okay. And the thing that I w- was really interested in is that it does, um, both sides of a wokeness, um, politics sort of thing really well, mm-hmm. which is to say that it does, um, it does the liberal end of, of identity politics really well, where it, like, the um the diverse casting in it 
is really great and it works and narratively it makes sense and Mm -hmm. nothing about it feels like it's like shoehorned in that like everybody is a person of color in her (laughs) in her friend group and they like don't play it off like everyone like one of the big jokes in it is that they that everybody in the school calls them the u.n which is a real (laughs) ass thing that happened to me and my friends when we were kids really i my my crew in high school was was pretty multiracial and they called us the un like it's a weird it's a (laughs) it's a very weirdly specific real thing um but then also there's a very funny um payoff to that where like halfway through the series they're like oh you thought it was a racist joke no un stands for unfuckable nerds (laughs) and you're like oh no But then the other side of it, it does really well, where it also critiques performative wokeness in a really clever and fun way that, like, the oh. right can never really get right, right, you know? Yeah. Where, like, there's a teacher in the school who, like, he just, like, so perfectly does, like, the uh, like the white woke guy character where... He like starts his history class with like a like a, a land acknowledgement thing. <laughs> uh, I'm teaching this class on stolen land. Exactly, yeah. And and it's like so painful every time he does it. You're like, oh god. <laughs> he like he like instead of wishing somebody a happy birthday, he like gives them a birthday acknowledgement. <laughs> he's like he's like if it's a sad birthday, that's okay too. Your feelings are valid. And you're like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> and then like but it, it works really well because they they wrap it in with him trying to be a cool teacher right so like there's also scenes where he'll be like he, he'll be like the thing about world war Two is that you know the holocaust was not litty okay <laughs> <laughs> he's like the the guidance counselor in beavis and butthead <laughs> yes 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 exactly <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I love that. And it character. also it also has. I told you about this already, but it is one of my absolute favorite scenes in television history. Wow, which That's is high praise. Um, a very high praise. Yeah, uh, one of her friends, uh, one of the main character Davy's friends, has. Um, uh, she's gay, and she has her coming out scene, and she's like a science nerd. That's her character, right? And okay. um, she has this like robot that she made, who's named. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, what is it? it's like some it's some pun on like oh it's gears brosnan is the name okay. of her robot um and she's like typing things in for it to say uh-huh. and she's like like hello how are you and then she like the whole episode has been about her kind of like coming to realize that she's gay and then but she types in i'm gay <laughs> I don't know why it just like fucking killed me because <laughs> it's the end of the episode it rolls credits right after but it's just her just sincerely looking at this little toy robot and she types it in and it just goes I'm gay <laughs> and roll credits is it supposed to be funny I don't know if it's supposed to be funny if it's supposed to be touching I have no idea all I know is that I laughed really hard <laughs> And maybe I mean, it's that just sounds like the, very funny. I mean, maybe it's just like the, the little boy in me who like still <laughs> would like laugh at looking up penis in the dictionary. Yeah, that's why I think it's funny. <laughs> I'm gay. Yeah, just having a robot voice say, I'm gay is very funny. <laughs> yeah, that's funny already. But it's definitely funnier if it's supposed to be serious. <laughs> 
Have you ever but, seen that uh, that YouTube video? It's like a clip of a longer video, but I think it's like uh, that YouTuber iDubs, mm-hmm. and he's wearing like a mor- like a green morph suit. Okay. You know, he's just like in a jumpsuit within the yeah, face. Yeah, I think out. I know who you're talking about. And then he's like on a count. He's like standing on the kitchen counter and like his friend says, jump down and say some gay shit. <laughs> and then he jumps <laughs> off of the counter and he says, I'm gay. <laughs> 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 Never not funny. <laughs> that's very funny. Um, all right. All right. So well, that's been Check out Never Have I Definitely check out Never Have I Ever. I'll watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, also check out fucking Pen15 as a new season. And I started watching it today. But I'll talk about that next week Wait, or whatever. Wait, but is that a good show? Pen15 rules. Okay. Yes, Pen15 is like one of the best shows of the past couple of years. I saw a clip of it, uh, of like the second season. And I was like, this looks really good. And, but it's I had never so heard of it. It's so good, dude. It's so fucking good. All right. It, really quick. Really quick. <laughs> the, like, the best thing that I think encapsulates like what's so good about Pen15, because it's not like uproariously funny ever, mm-hmm. but the best thing is there's a scene where like uh, one of the characters just like had a weird c- interaction with a boy where like they like kissed at a party and she's like, Oh, so we, li-. they're supposed to be like, you know, 12, right? They're 12 or 13. Are they really and, little um, kids? Everyone is little kids except for the two main characters are adults who okay. are like styled to look like little kids. Anyway, <laughs> she's like, we made out at that party. Like we should like hang out again. And he's like, that didn't happen. And she's like, what do you mean that didn't happen? And she starts just like crying and freaking out. And like her friend sees her from across the pool. They're at a pool party and she sees her crying and is going to go over to comfort her. And she does this like really like serious professional dive and then really serious professional breaststroke to get over (laughs) to her. And it's like the most perfectly encapsulating thing of this just like weird, weird idiosyncrasies like that are what Pen15 is all about. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'll check that out too. Um, highly recommend Pen15, but I'll talk about it in more depth after I finish the season. All right, awesome. But for now, we're talking about that thing, that you, thing do. you do. Directed by Tom Play Hanks. That song. <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is a, a my pick. Um, and uh, what year was this from? 1996 or something? Um, something like that, yeah. I'm not really sure. Yeah, 1996, yeah. I'm not really sure when I first saw this movie. I, I'm pretty sure it was 1996. I didn't see it in theaters, though. I know that for sure. Mm-hmm. But there was a group of friends that I had. Like When this movie came out on VHS, this was all that anyone could talk about for a few months. Like we watched this all the time. We had sleepovers where we would watch it. We huh. we treated the wonders as if they were a you know a regular boy band, and we were like right. all liked would you know I like Guy and I like Lenny and you know I like the bass player. Um, I mean Ethan Embry is a cutie. So Ethan Embry is a cutie, especially in that era. Oof, my own. I know. <laughs> and and this movie. So this is I, a year after Empire Records. So him and Liv Tyler in a movie again. Exactly. And so I just remember this movie being like a really big deal for me. And like, I thought it was like, you know, a big cultural phenomenon, or at least it felt like that to me when I was like 10 or 11. Um, And then I saw it like probably 25, 30 times. Like we watch it all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as I grew up, people just sort of forgot about it. Um, Yeah. And basically anytime I would like get in a fairly serious relationship, I'd be like, have you ever seen that thing you do? And we'd watch it. So I've seen it a bunch, even throughout my life. Uh, 
and it continues to hold up. Um, but no one has fucking seen it. Yeah. Um, so I've, you know, when I, I kind of assumed you wouldn't have seen it because really not very many people have. Um, but there's definitely like a cult following around this movie. Like, it, it, but it's not quite good enough or it's not quite unique enough to have like a fervent Rocky Horror following. Yeah, or like Empire Records even. It's not even like that. It's just like this movie that the people who've seen it fucking love it. Right. And then everyone else basically doesn't know it exists. So you hadn't seen it, right? I had absolutely never seen it, <laughs> never heard of it, knew nothing about it. I thought when I saw it on there, I saw the name. I knew the name and I knew the song, uh, but not the real song. I knew it as a cover. Um, by that Newfound Glory. By yeah. Newfound Glory, yeah. <laughs> uh, their debut album, uh, From the Screen to Your Stereo, is a yep. bunch of uh, pop punk covers of songs from movies. Which is so weird. That what band a crazy is so debut. <laughs> I love Newfound Glory. But, I, I mean, um, I absolutely adore like three of their albums, but uh, yeah. yeah. They're um, a weird band. Weird band. It's a crazy debut to have as a band. <laughs> but yeah, absurd. so I only I knew the song from that. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I just assumed, just based on the title, I was like, "Oh, it's probably like uh, it's probably similar to like Can't Hardly Wait." That's what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. I didn't look it up before we, <laughs> before this. I mean, you just you popped know, it on. Well, cause, yeah, because I mean, I've been busy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> some things have been going on, and um, yeah, I've been pretty busy, and um, so I yeah, I just kind of like threw it on, and instantly I was like. Holy shit, what? <laughs> Did not expect the setting, didn't expect the time period, mm-hmm, didn't expect anything about this, basically. And instantly, I think I was like maybe 10 minutes into the movie when I texted you. I, was I like, know. I- this is so good. Because <laughs> well, I had uploaded it, and then you were like, all right, I got it. And then like... Not 20 minutes later, you were like, this movie fucking rips. It's so I was like, where good. are you? <laughs> <laughs> because here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is going to be my, my high-level analysis, and then we'll go more in-depth. Okay. But this movie has everything that I want from a movie, basically. <laughs> it's everything that I like. It's, it's, it's a tight, short movie. Yeah. Um, it's just very purposeful. Everything is where it's supposed to be. Everything happens for a reason. There's nothing in there that you're like, what the fuck is this doing here? Very little you fat know, on the movie. Very little fat because there's not enough time to have fat, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it just tells a pretty, you know, you know, arky story. Nothing too crazy there. Uh, and then it also is weirdly one of my favorite types of music in the world is weird early 60s one-hit wonders. I oh, well, love that <laughs> I shit. didn't even know that, but there yeah. you go. <laughs> One of my favorite things in the world is, I, I always call it jukebox filler. It's the kind sure. of shit that, like, back in the day, you would, like, be flipping through a jukebox and looking for, like, a Beatles song, and this is the kind of thing that you would just scroll past because you're like, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, I, I've heard enough that, of that, so. or whatever. <laughs> um, I loved, um, because when I was a kid, the only record store that I could go to when I got a record player um, for the first time, which I, I got a record player really young. I got a record player when Me I was like too. 13. Well, I grew up with a record player. Yeah. I mean, like you had one in the house or whatever, and then they, they went away for a while for me and we had a okay. CD player. And then I got one again because when I first started getting into punk, uh, somebody told me pretty early on, they were like, they were like, M- you know, a lot of punk is only released on vinyl. So yeah, you like, get you're going to want to get a record player. Mm-hmm. And um, so I got a record player pretty young 
And uh, the only record store that I could go to, though, was like a used record store. And, um, you know, you look for like Ramones, you look for like the kind of shit that you're you're looking for, but you can't always find it. And so sometimes you kind of like take a leap and just grab something that looks kind of cool. Yeah. And one of those early records that I saw that I, that I grabbed was um, Nuggets, which I don't know if okay. you're familiar with. I don't think so. So Nuggets is an anthology series and there's a ton of them. Oh, and yes, yes, they yes, yes. document these specific music scenes from like the 60s through the 80s, I think. Mm-hmm. And the first two of them are um, early 60s garage rock. And it's all of these just like weird bands you've never heard of. But then you'll hear the song and you'll be like, oh, I know that song I've from like a movie this, soundtrack yeah. or something <laughs> like um there's a song Liar Liar by the Castaways mm-hmm. that's um, in a scene in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels is where I knew it from. Yeah. And if you hear it, you instantly know it. And you're like, God damn, I know that song. And that but song I don't know this great. band. And <laughs> yeah. they never did anything beyond this. Mm-hmm. And um, like the Knickerbockers, uh, like all these weird random bands. So anyways, the point is that this is exactly that type of right. band and that type of song. So I just instantly was like, Dude, fuck yes. You're like, oh my God, it's going to be a one-hit wonder band. It's a yeah. one-hit wonder from the early 60s. It's exactly my shit. The wonder, yeah. yeah. So let me re- quickly recap this movie. Yeah, I've seen yeah, yeah. it so many times. I could <laughs> I could literally quote you the movie from beginning to end. Um, but I won't because that would be very annoying. So I will say what happens in the movie is we open with Guy Patterson, a beatnik who is graduated from high school, clearly isn't going to college, likes jazz. Um, he was in the army at some point, I guess. It appears that he was in the army, um, but he's, you know, just working for his dad at his dad's appliance store in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, small, nothing town, but he loves jazz. He plays drums um, in the um, at night in the basement, in the basement yeah. of, the, of the thing. His friends have a band, a sort of wannabe, sort of a doo-wop-y, Beatles-y kind of thing, but it's all very slow music. And they're doing a contest, um, some sort of like college uh, contest. Uh, their drummer breaks his arm, uh, and they're like, hey, Skitch, will you fill? Oh, they call him Skitch, um, but his name is Guy Patterson. He said, will you fill in for us? And he's like, okay, I will. Um, so they go to the... Um, contest and uh guy patterson starts playing the beat to this song that thing you do that they wrote like double time like yeah. he's playing it way too fast but it works somehow this is the thing that really happened to the beatles apparently huh. um where ringo was just like i'm playing too fast and i ended up being cool and they kept it that way or um, the original one whatever that guy's name was oh right uh pete best or something um pete davidson yeah (laughs) pete davidson so they win the contest it's a great it's a great hit everybody thinks it's awesome and this sort of sets off a pretty sort of what you would imagine a series of events where they win the contest everyone likes them they from that they get a job at a pizza place and they play like a couple nights a week there and they start writing more songs some manager finds them from there he signs them and gets them on the radio from that uh, a big label called playtone um who tom hanks is basically the a and r slash manager guy um tom hanks comes and and uh says hey we're gonna take you on tour of state fairs with the rest of all these big major label people they do a few of those shows until 
their song that thing you do is rising up the charts it's the fastest rising song in the history of the label um so they're gonna fly to california be in some movies be on the you know basically what is the ed sullivan show and through all this Liv tyler is um jimmy the lead singer's girlfriend He's kind of an asshole. Yeah, classic, Got, classic lead singer. Classic lead singer. Kind of takes himself way too seriously. Yeah. Has no no humor in his in his in his body. Um, and him and Guy clearly, or Liv and Guy, the drummer, clearly like each other a little more. And he takes care of her and is really sweet to her. Um, and that's sort of happening in the background, where you know she's sort of getting fed up with Jimmy and starting to fall in love with Guy. And then uh, they play the big show. Um, lots like of Hollywood, uh, whatever music stand, yeah, whatever. yeah. <laughs> the show <laughs> Hollywood Showcase, I think is yeah. what it's called, and um, and they play it, but uh, the bassist says like right at the beginning when they meet Tom Hanks, he's like, I applied for the mili- I'm I'm in the Marines, I have to report to base in August, um, so he fucks off and doesn't play that. Uh, he goes hangs out with the Marines, um. So lots of bad things happen. They start kind of fighting and then they play the one thing. Their parents at home see them on TV. Everyone's very excited and that's sort of their peak. And uh, they, oh, during that moment. um, There's like a a text on screen sort of thing where they're like introducing everyone. They're like, the wolf man. Yeah. Leo. Leo. And then uh, the main guy, what's his name? Jimmy. Jimmy says, "Careful, like, girls! Look out, ladies! He is engaged." Right. To which he's like, "Who the fuck said that?" I don't. Yeah, he sees it on the monitor or whatever, and he's like, "Bitch, I don't fucking like you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then so him and Liv Tyler get uh, break break up, and then you know that causes even more stress. Yeah. And uh, as a as a wife guy, fantastic scene, honestly, because <laughs> it's like uh, so he like says like he's like accusing Liv Tyler of like planting this to try to like pressure him into engaging mm-hmm. or whatever and he's like he's like i am not engaged to you and i'll never be and you should just get over that fact and she's like you know from now on you don't fucking talk to me she like you is really cool in this scene. she's me. like yeah. she's like from now on you stay the fuck away from me and you're like damn girl all right cool <laughs> and then he what does he say? He says something says, like, I should have uh, dumped you in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, but he, he says something that Tom Hanks gets the nice snap back at, where oh, he's he said, like... He said, "Who whose decision was it to put that up there? And he says, the same guy who said yeah, you had the, class, Yeah, Jimmy. the same one who said you had class. <laughs> you're like, damn, yes. <laughs> Get his ass. Yeah. <laughs> so then it basically cuts to, oh, during all of this, uh, guy sort of... All, everyone's doing their own thing. No one has any cohesion. Guy meets his idol, his jazz idol, Del Paxson, at a at a jazz club in L.A. He gets meets him. He, you know, so they go to a studio um, to record more more wonder songs. And Jimmy's like, I'm not going to fucking record any of uh, that covers. thing you do. In, you wanna... Yeah, I'm not going to do covers. I'm not going to do that thing you do in Spanish. And Tom Hanks is like, yeah, oh, well, you're either going to do that. Or you're going to do fucking nothing. And Jimmy says, uh, or he, the line that Tom Hanks says is, if you're going to record, you're going to record that thing you do in Spanish. You're going to record these covers. And we're going to record 
uh, originals, but I don't want this lover's lament crap. I want something peppy. I want something snappy. And he's right, by the way, because those slow songs at the beginning sucked ass. (laughs) Aren't good. (laughs) They aren't good. And, And also, Tom Hanks is like very clearly like he's he's very upfront about this where he's just like he's like look dude like we'll record some fun stuff like i have no problem with you guys recording fun stuff the big hit was something you wrote i'm not like against the idea clearly (laughs) uh but you're being a bitch and i don't like it Mm -hmm. and uh and then he's like being a pain in the ass and he's like man I thought you could have been fun to work with, but you know what? You're not. And yeah. this sucks. <laughs> and so Jimmy says, I quit. And, yeah, uh, and in a very not cool scene where he's like, he's like singing it in a weird way. I and quit. you're like, yeah, you're I like, quit. this isn't, you, this doesn't come off as cool as you're thinking it does. Which is so perfect. Cause he would do that. And it's like, everyone is like, fuck you man Ugh. uh but so he leaves and then that's the end of the band lenny went off and got married in las vegas the bass player is gone um and it's just him and tom hanks and he's like what happened and he's like you're a one-hit wonder man it's a very common tale and it's like and he says i've never been in a studio before it's a real studio he's like well you're have you're booked all day so have fun and so he starts playing drums and then del paxton comes and you know del paxton's like look man bands come and go like just play music if you will if you love the music let's play so they start jamming uh, some cool jazz stuff the exact drum beat that he was playing in the beginning of the movie and then uh at the very end oh it's like implied that he's going to be a session drummer and like him and del are going to work together and uh he's gonna stay in la and live tyler is like oh you're gonna stay in la and then they sort of like well i guess i'm gonna go back to erie and he's like wait no i love you and then they like kiss and that's the end of the movie oh no but then they uh (laughs) but then they like walk back it's he's made friends with like the bellhop at this hotel that he's staying yeah yeah, lamar uh who's got like a fun sort of energy to him and whatever and he's like he's like uh watch our stuff while we go have sex and he's like that's what i do (laughs) for a living sir what i do Young squires, young squires. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So and that's that's the movie. They hook up and, uh, you know, there's a sort of pictures at the end of what happens to them in the rest of their life. And uh, yeah. And the singer gets like a happy ending, which is interesting. Yeah. He uh, becomes he actually has the most like I guess critical success. success. Yeah. He gets like a bunch of Grammys. He starts another band called The Herdsman, which is what he originally wanted to call uh, The Wonders. Um, and, uh, you know, but Guy you know marries Liv tyler and he becomes a session drummer and a music teacher and then lenny fucks off and becomes a uh casino owner casino and, owner um, yeah he's single and, and then uh, the other guy like joins the marines and then has just like some sort of like very normal job. life yeah. or whatever i don't even remember what happens to the bass player who yeah. is not named by the way his name in the credits is the bass player really uh, yeah <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Poor Ethan Embry, man. I think it's sort of a joke about how people don't care about the, the right. bass player, but he's a pretty main character. I mean, he has a lot of lines. So. He does, yeah. But he's a... And also... Okay. So this movie, it's a little bit hard through that recap of the plot to describe why the movie is so good. But I think one of the things about the movie that I love is that the movie's obsessed with the texture of mm-hmm. the 60s and like yes. the, the early 60s. But this is something I wanted to bring up, which is that it is really obsessed with it and it's really meticulously detailed and everything in it is fantastic in that way. Mm-hmm. But what's so unique about this movie that I'd never seen really is that it's not 
overly romantic about it. No. Where, like, there's a lot of movies that are obsessed with the texture of the early 60s. There's plenty of that out there. Mm -hmm. But what you'll always see is, like, the way that the camera plays is in a way where it's like it's buying into the mystique of the media of that era Mm -hmm. where it's like the world like so there's a scene at the end where they play on the hollywood bandstand or whatever the fuck the show is called and they're on this like set where there's a huge sign behind them that says like the wonders and they're all on these platforms playing and stuff and it's a very common sight that you would see on these old shows you know there's like videos of like the who playing on this yeah, sort of thing. I mean even Joy Division there's a uh, there's a oh, really? uh, there's a there's a, a British version of that where they're on those like little platforms and weird right. shapes behind them and like Ian Curtis is like freaking out or whatever <laughs> it's a weird thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so there's a there, there's a lot of movies that will kind of film it the same way that the TV show would have filmed it. Yes. And they'll show it in a way where they're like, you know, they're like this is the world was like this. But the thing that's really unique about this movie is that they'll show that from just off to the corner. Yeah. So that you'll see the cameras and the gear and whatever, and you'll see the scene that's being set up by those cameras, but it looks like the real world. Right. And you see what it's like. Like, there's a scene where they play a music festival, and again, like, these movies would show you the roaring crowd and, like, the, the stage and, like, make it look really romantic up there and really cool and exciting, like uh, Jersey Boys, you know, like that sort of shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, some hack like Clint Eastwood would, would do that. Mm-hmm. But this shows you from backstage just barely seeing the stage at all and um you know all these bands in there like matching suits and shit and whatever are all standing in the dirt and like yeah. you know, meeting each <laughs> other and being like oh hey you're in that one band what's going on man uh it's really interesting how much this tries to like normalize that it instead of really trying to romanticize feel, like, it it's 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 unique in a way that i don't know I didn't even, until I watched it last night, I don't even think it really registered how unique that is. And that's what mm-hmm. I was meaning by it. it's obsessed with the texture of the 60s, not the shining fantasy of the 60s, but right. literally what it would have been like to be there because the way everyone is, ca- like the, the cast is so perfect too, because like everyone looks like they are the right age. They're, you know, like basically teenager looking, right. um, but out of college, like, out of high school but not in college and you know um but the, it's not showing you like the cars it's not obsessed with like the the there's no cuts to like fucking um like the vietnam songs there's no credence in this movie there's yeah, no yeah, yeah. there's no even the beatles like it's almost all original songs that are written mm-hmm. for the movie um except like a couple actual 60s songs that you've never heard before <laughs> right um and it it very much feels like it's that real time period in a shitty small town where everything kind of still looks like the 50s mm-hmm. um because yeah, they yeah, haven't yeah. even gotten the cool 60s stuff like there's no bell bottoms in this movie you know there's well this no... would even still be early for bell bottoms i think because it's still kind of like that early sort of like like quirky sort of mid-century 60s right like, exactly before you get to like you know the dark like hippie 60s <laughs> right it's not about that it's like really interested in what like 
the very what it would have first felt like to be there to be the very first generation of like rock bands yeah to have actually been the first person to think of like what if we played this fast yeah <laughs> you know like that's so interesting in this too because it's um it's something that happens in like biopics a lot mm-hmm. where um the scene where they come up with the idea for the hit song that you know, you know, the song that you know at home, mm-hmm. there's a scene where like they're playing it like uh, just wrong and they play yeah. it just wrong again, and just wrong again. And then finally they get it right. And everyone's like, aha, that's it. That's the song you at home know. Yeah. And there's a scene like that in this, except the song isn't a real song. It's not a song, you know, <laughs> Yeah, it's just a really good song. And yeah, I feel which like is also really impressive. It's a very it's good song. Incredibly impressive because the movie, hinges on this song being incredible mm-hmm. like it has to be good because you hear it in full multiple times multiple times and you don't get tired you of it. always want to finish it through you're like oh good they're playing it all the way through again and you start yeah. to get into it and you're like uh but I, I i i can't stress enough there's one moment that i think really kind of encapsulates what this movie does and why is it's really special and that's the first the scene where the hear the song on the radio for the first time and Mm -hmm. and i i don't know if i even ever appreciated it on this technical of a level until i saw i watched it last night but it begins and Liv tyler is licking stamps and putting her letters in the mailbox and she starts to hear the you know the opening drum like and she's just like you know her whole performance is just like screaming like she it rises up from her and she starts screaming then it she puts the letters in the mailbox and then runs down the street and the song is playing and she's just screaming and running down the street and then it smash cuts to the bass player who's walking out of an army surplus store who we don't know why at this point (laughs) he's just like but it's silent right it's just the sound of the street and then fading in as Faye Liv Tyler runs up to her to him the song fades in but that doesn't make any sense because he wouldn't be able to hear it but it's for the audience right um and the song is fading in and she's screaming he realizes why she's screaming and also starts screaming and he turns on his radio and then the song gets even louder and then it cuts the guy and he's selling someone a fucking dishwasher or whatever and then they bursts into the, the 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 appliance store and they're screaming and he turns it on a radio and then it gets yeah, even they're, louder. Luckily they're at a they're <laughs> at an appliance store, so there's a ton of radios around that they can just turn on. <laughs> yeah, and he like rips the cord out and plugs into the wall and gets it and they're like sc- scrambling to not miss the song. And then as they're like dancing around, Lenny and Jimmy like pull up in a, in a car, car yeah, <laughs> and then rush into the appliance store and they start screaming and then the music gets even louder somehow um it's a really great scene and it really encapsulates it encapsulates a small town really well too because it's a short song it's a pop song you know it's not like a crazy long song or anything but it's like they're all within the song's length from the appliance (laughs) store (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i don't i don't know if i've ever seen anything capture that sort of feeling of excitement of Mm -hmm. like something good is happening to your group of friends that is like outside of the world that like and it's just like every single person's performance the editing the directing is just like putting you in that moment and even last night i couldn't like help but like be kind of overcome with that emotion um and and i feel like there's so many moments like that in this movie where Mm -hmm. 
it never really gets old that they're just sort of like in awe of what's happening to them. Yeah. And then even when- And that's what's special about this, man, yeah. is that it's like the places where it chooses to be romantic, because it is a romantic movie, yeah. but like the places that it chooses to be romantic aren't like dumb shit, like, uh, <laughs> like being obsessed with the idea of like a handsome host of a TV show, you know? Yeah, they no. hate- Tom Hanks hates those people in this movie. Like the <laughs> yeah. hosts are always like sleazy shitheads, you know, mm-hmm. like the people making the shows suck. You know, the, the even his character as the record exec is kind of a prick, yeah. you know, like all, everybody sucks. But like the things that he chooses to be romantic about are like the human connections, you know, like the moments Absolutely. where like, d- like what it would feel like to 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 have a hit record that you made with your buddies you know like the feeling of like what it would be like to to be asked to be in a fucking movie and then to just like have fun dicking around on a movie set you know like yeah it's crazy and 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 then it also encapsulates the shitty parts about that really well like jimmy is all the time undermining everything and like yeah they're it's not even romantic enough to ignore it for a second. Like there's these little moments where they're on stage and they're all clicking and it's wordless and like, it's beautiful and you feel like the joy that they're experiencing. But then almost every other scene, Jimmy is like, this is stupid. We shouldn't do this. And they're like, come on, man, let's just have fun. Come you on, know? we're having fun, dude. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. <laughs> you fucking loser. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, I mean, this year I had, an album that I wrote, you know, with my band in Pitchfork. And it's yeah. like watching, and that was a huge, crazy yeah, deal. Yeah, you for guys me. had a crazy, awesome year. Like, you yeah, had as a ton a of this sort of feeling. And, I, and this movie is like exactly the same. Like, the feeling that the, it like pinpoints is, I mean, I know not everyone gets to experience that and not everyone has, but like, I was, it was crazy watching this after I've had that experience, you know, like, I mean, we haven't even gotten to play shows yet, but to have a successful band and be like, or like somewhat even any sort of success, that moment is so perfectly encapsulated. Um, And also the fighting and the sort of like the relationship of it is all there too. It's not Um, quite like, um, it's not quite almost famous, you know, in terms of like how well it gets like band drama, but it's pretty damn good. And something that it does really well, too, is that um, the band actually like vibes on stage really well. They actually they actually really capture pretty well for being, you know, non-musical actors like they capture pretty well what it feels like to to, like make eye contact with somebody on like a time change and like Mm -hmm. to to really like lock in with each other it, it does pretty well ethan Embry, i feel like is kind of in his own world most of the time well he kind of doesn't really <laughs> work for me but the guitarists really seem like they're looking at each other to get the timing right for like, sure and i it's think funny actually the drummer might actually play no he did well that's the crazy thing is that lenny uh steve zahn and ethan Embry played their instruments mm-hmm. um but Jimmy and Guy, the actors, had never played anything before. Really? And they were like, they took like six months of like lessons. That's insane because the way that Guy holds his sticks I in the know. open, the open hand thing or the semi open, I think it's called when only the, one of them is sideways. The like jazz thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I think fully open is when both of them are held sideways, and like half open is when one of them is or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. But the way he holds them. There are people who are real jazz drummers who don't look that natural holding it like that. He really looks so comfortable holding it that way that you really believe he's been doing it that way forever. Yeah. 
mean, really I, good performance then if he didn't do that jesus christ no i mean he, yeah he he learned for yeah. the movie and yeah uh, i mean like <laughs> it's really and impressive I, and i think yeah it's really crazy and to the point that like the cast and crew of this movie so i've the cast and the crew of this movie thought that they were really playing the songs on the set really and they weren't <laughs> they were playing huh. to a track um but uh i've i've read a lot about this movie it's one of my favorite so it, it's weird to say it's one of my favorite movies because it's like mm. you know it's nothing big arty it's not it's just like this very perfectly distilled little movie um it it definitely is one of my favorite movies i've seen it so many times um yeah. but i've one of the craziest things about this movie is that there is a two and a half hour cut of this movie fuck and, that <laughs> fuck that no I, I, <laughs> no <laughs> and what's crazy about it is that it's so obviously like this was a tom unless Hanks. it's unless it's another hour <laughs> of just the song <laughs> no it's not it's not worth watching really unless you're like obsessed with this movie like right, me. yeah um but it it's very clear that tom hanks you know this was a passion project for him in terms mm -hmm. of the texture of it but also he's talked about like he wrote this at a time when he was becoming famous right. and his sort of you know perception of that was like this isn't gonna last and like i have to be okay with like you know i want to deal with fame in a way that isn't hurtful to people and i want to like you know i want to be okay with the idea that like I'm not going to be an actor forever. Like I'll probably have to go do something else. And that's just as noble and just as, you know, whatever. And so right. he wrote this movie about like, this is a good experience, even if it doesn't last for the rest of your life, you know, there's some, there's stuff to cherish there. Um, obviously that's not what happened. <laughs> yeah. He's still one of the most famous actors in the world. He's just like over 60 now. But, um, what's very interesting to me in this movie is that he gave himself the sort of shitty, like business guy role yeah he's not really i mean he's barely in it right he well in this cut in the other cut he is explicitly a gay man who huh. is dating howie long like the football player uh, <laughs> like there's a scene in this movie the night uh you know and <laughs> why i don't know <laughs> i mean it's so weird it is weird and it's like it's so strange because there's this scene where um he is being driven by howie long the act he's he's not supposed to be the football player he's but he's played by that guy um oh oh because okay. howie long isn't in the 60s you know like he, he's okay, just like yeah. he's this huge dude who's like two feet taller than tom hanks mm -hmm. but yeah. they're like boyfriends um and there's a scene in the movie when guy comes back from the jazz club and he's like wasted and tom hanks is also wasted and he's like hanging off of howie long and he's like you have to go to sleep <laughs> don't talk about this anyway okay. it's really bizarre and i'm not sure where like that came from but it's like you wrote and directed this movie and then put yourself cast yourself as a smarmy game <laughs> like right. what are you trying to tell us here tom hanks well, uh, but then the fascinating <laughs> thing is like the integrity then the integrity to be such a massive star that you can get your movie made your passion project right. to be able to get it done and then to be like, to have the maturity and the sense of self to cut yourself out of it almost completely is yeah. so cool. And, and I have so much more, like knowing that that <laughs> cut exists, I have so much more respect for Tom Hanks as a, as 
a creator yeah. to be able to be like, no, you know what? I'm the weak link here. I don't, <laughs> I don't need to be in my this shit. story. Does not fucking matter. Like yeah. what we need to care about is guy and live and, or Faye. And yeah. you know, we need to get, which honestly I didn't, I didn't really care about them <laughs> at the end of it. I was just kind of like, all right, whatever. As like, a <laughs> teenager, I cared a lot. It's, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think there, if you care about the romantic part of the movie, it's there. But... To me, it's a, this is a dude's rock tale. <laughs> To me, the best, the, the, I think the scene where I first texted you was the scene where Guy is in the car with that chick that he's dating at the beginning. Charlie Saron. Like, yeah, and she's like, so what do you want to do tonight? And he's like, fuck off, I'm playing music. <laughs> <laughs> he like has some sort of thing where he's just like, he's like, man, do you think that we're going to like get to like go on tour? And she's like, so do you want to like go to dinner tonight? And he's like, man, I wonder if we could like speed up that other song that we did. <laughs> Yeah, he's just like thinking out loud about the yeah, song. Yeah, fucking rules. <laughs> yeah, and she sucks. She's awful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting that he and I mean the I don't know who what else this editor done. I think his name is Richard Chu. Um, mm-hmm. But I he's incredible. Like I I really respect that. He hired an editor who was so good and then had this guy. Oh, my God. He did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Whoa. <laughs> Risky Business. Holy shit. Uh, waiting to Exhale, which I've never seen. Um, but yeah, I, this editor clearly had like, well, we got to do this. <laughs> yeah. And Tom Hanks was like, I believe you. And like, he he got this movie made off of Ego, you know, just because he was like a huge star. He's like, I get to do whatever I want. Right. And then... uh and then he just had the wherewithal to make say I actually want it to be a good movie and not like a, a jerk off for myself. So yeah, fantastic it, film and a huge lesson to learn. By the way, bands out there, yeah, um, you know there's a there's a cooking rule. Okay, there's a cooking rule that if what you're if what you're cooking tastes a little bit off and you're not sure why, mm-hmm. like the recipe just needs something, but you can't put your finger on what it is, it's almost always acid. It's always, it's almost always like a squeeze of lemon or a little bit of vinegar or something. That's almost always what it's going to be. And bands, oh. if if the song that you're playing sounds a little bit off, you're like, I don't really know what's wrong with it. Speed it up a little bit. That's always the answer. It's always the answer. Really? It always is. Just give it a little bit more, a little bit more pep, and it's always a better song. I didn't know that. That's I why you were bands rule acid. live. That's why bands are always great live. Like they why always it's play almost, faster. They always play it a little bit faster. Yeah. yeah. It's hard not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I thought you were gonna say put a little three hundred three in there, get a little squelchy bass, put some squeeze acid a little lemon in. on it. Yeah, <laughs> put some acid in there. Uh, yeah, so um, like I said, this is one of my absolute favorite movies. It's always fun. I've never shown it to anyone who didn't like it. Like even if you don't, if even if you aren't like floored by it, because it's great that you like. <laughs> you're like oh it's all my favorite things in one movie yeah um, very cool guitars too by the way i know wow <laughs> really cool guitars i mean these are some like real like oh like the dan electro bass that ethan Embry plays is like i've always dreamed of having one of those no. i had a dan electro guitar for a long uh-huh. time uh but those pickups sound like shit not good you they have sound to replace so them. bad <laughs> But you can't replace them because they're those lipstick ones, and it's like, what even fits? Yeah, what fits in there? <laughs> you, gotta you gotta like route that shit out. Yeah, you gotta like cut it out and put a real one in. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, also, he didn't even talk about, but I just have to say, like, 
there's just so much fun dialogue in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard to describe because throughout the whole like recap of the movie, none of it matters. Like the movie lets itself hang on just scenes where they're talking about band shit. Yeah. Like there's so many quotables from this movie that it would take a whole other episode to get through. But like, there's just so many great scenes where Lenny is so charming, where Steve's on, I think always is a nice little flavor in a movie. I love him. Um, but he's always saying great things. Uh, there's just a lot of like when they record the album for the like the first song, like right, that right. Sh- d- that should basically be a throwaway scene. But like every line in it is just like, and when are we getting it? And like, and it's it's really yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. Like, and he re- quotes the Bible, and, and he's like, so what does that mean? Luke, Wednesday, Luke. Who's Luke? And he's like, Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Every little moment just has like enough writing, yeah. like cleverness that it makes it fun to watch through the whole movie. So highly recommended. Highly recommend. And highly recommend just listening to the damn song. It's a really good song. Yeah. <laughs> Written by the guy from Fountains of Wayne. R.I.P. man. Oh, is he dead? He died of COVID this year. Whoa. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I mean, I. I Definitely the most impactful death I've heard about recently. <laughs> seriously like when i when i heard about it earlier in april or whatever it was like people were like oh yeah stacy's mom i was like that fucking thing you do he wrote almost every yeah. song like even the other good uh come on and dance with me tonight song mm-hmm. that's yeah that scene is really great really good songs cannot believe by the way this didn't get best original song at the academy I awards know, it's unbelievable absurd. it got great what, reviews what did it lose to you must love me from Avita. Suck my dick. Oh that my sucks. god! Fuck off. Avita blows. <laughs> Did it even get uh, nominated? It got nominated for best original song. Yeah. Oh, okay. It, it, I mean, I don't it, know if it got anything else, but it should absolutely have won. Uh, best picture: The English Patient. What? <laughs> Over Fargo. <laughs> oh god! See, this, the- Jerry Maguire was nominated. <laughs> We gotta stop. All right. okay, okay. We both recommend the Watch movie. Watch the movie. It's a really good movie. Tom Hanks, please direct another movie if you can do something this good. Uh, but that's been the, the, the show. Please stick around. We are doing special uh, bonus episodes for the foreseeable future. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, please go to patreon.com slash generation loss to hear me and Kath Krieger talk about uh, some shit we don't know about called Dune and also journalism <laughs> movies which is a really fun conversation I thought that was really good time uh, yeah, but, it's a very uh, good episode follow us on Twitter at GenLostPod follow me at Kinematography follow Jeremy at Jeremy Thunder uh, listen to my other show BP Bledis listen to Jeremy's other show Ballin' Out Super watch uh, his YouTube building stuff on City Skylines at Jeremy Thunder on YouTube uh, subscribe to me on Twitch at Dullcare and we will see you in the Discord see you at the movies see you at the fucking movies next year yeah <laughs>